I will say that I don't remember when I was a kid. I don't remember this being as open and prevalent. Something's fucking haunted. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Did you let that YouTube clip keep playing? No, that's not even part of the clip. All right. Shit, well, okay. That's okay. <laughs> fucking weird. Spooky. <laughs> that we is because I, se- I specifically did that on... Okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. We have a, a colorful graphic here that shows instances of bullshit like this are on the rise. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it! Government's out to get ya, NASA's out to get ya, the NSA's out to get ya. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Police ask public not to shoot after recent Bigfoot sighting. Discussion we've been having lately about Bob Lazar and what he did at Area 51. They're so needy. We ain't found shit! Fucking, they're so needy, it upsets me. Open the gates! They're here. Apologize on the dogs thing. It's all right. <laughs> Jesus I like Jags. Christ almighty. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. They're cute. Fuck it. Yeah, they think they're. So, anyway, hey, welcome everybody to Strange Uncles. Uh, I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Josh. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3, as we uh, continue our banter and go back and forth. So, uh, how you guys been this week, by the way? I know we have not talked to each other. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> fuck. I know. I've been good. Just, you know, getting done with the work week and uh, you doing yard work bitch. in 100-degree uh, weather. Oh, fuck this weather, dude. Oh, my God. I Sunday fun dayed way too fucking hard, and yesterday was probably the most miserable day of my entire fucking life. <laughs> I tried to meet you guys, but then my uh, wife had people over from Seattle, and I was just like, ah, I'll feel like a dick if I go, you know. Yeah. But I had a plan, so hopefully you didn't save a seat for me. Yeah. No. Oh, thanks. Well, as soon as you well. said you weren't coming, we're like, hey, you. Oh, fuck that. Said right here. You're the new Shane. You're the new Shane. There's a new Shane in town. <laughs> <laughs> fucking spinning fucking pistols and shit around. So anyway, welcome guys. That's cool. Um, we actually have a fun-filled episode this time. Uh, we got our word facts as usual. We actually have some really cool history about a guy called Charles Fort. And for those of you who may or may not know, you'll find out who he is because he's... I didn't know about him. I, I didn't know too much about him, really. I think I've kind of heard him in passing Yeah, a little yeah. bit, but... I knew a little bit about him just because uh, they talk about him on a lot of the shows that I listen to, but they don't talk about like his actual history. They just talk about Fortiana and that he was like a researcher oh, right. that like that's all named for, and he was like the first guy to really look into like weird shit. Basically, yeah. that's yeah. about where my knowledge, yeah, yeah, begins and ends. That mine too. Same. Nothing. You know. For what it was. And then uh, what was really cool is we actually follow up with, actually, we talk about Charles Fort. We have an interview with the Singular Fortean Society. Tobias and Emily. Tobias, yes. And it was interesting. Um, love the people, and they really have a heart for it. So Yeah, it was a, it was a real fun chat. But uh, anyway, fun-filled episode. Um, we got a lot of cool stuff. 
I will say that we actually have an update. Obviously, the last couple episodes we've had with the Storm Area 51 bullshit. Does anybody want to guess what is the new thing going on with this shit? Can I guess? Yes. <laughs> Good. Yes, sir. Yes. Me. Pick yeah. me, John. Please. Your hands raised. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, Storm Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Storm the Loch Ness Storm the Loch. Butthole. Yes. What do you storming again? I'm. Storm the Lock. Um, actually, I was just looking at this. 18,000 people are already saying they're going to this. Mm-hmm. Now, just to clarify, the one in Loch Ness, the, the one in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about Area 51. Yeah, so now yeah. everybody's on board to swim in some cold, deep, dark, mucky water. I mean, I want to go 18, to 18,000 people. That sounds awesome, but that sounds fucking awful. I, yeah, I, there's another 38,000 interested in doing this. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get Is this a new fad? Is this what's happening? It looks yeah. it looks like it. Is that what it is? So get ready for Storm Bigfoot's territory and everything else going on, which yeah, fucking instead who of knows where that storm is. Storm something important that would actually make a difference. Storm Ice right. Detention Center. Yes, that's Thank where you. I was going with Thank that. Is that where you were going? I had a feeling. Yeah. God fucking people. Oh, my God. And not only that, but so the the founder of this whole thing that <laughs> that made this just go fucking crazy now he was interviewed last week, and he was uh, talking about, well, you know, you know, I'm going to be part of it, but but I think that you know maybe it would be cool if we just do like a big EDM thing, and and I'm going to reach out to a bunch of artists, and and we'll just make it a big party, cool. which is what we were fucking saying, yeah, three weeks ago. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. Yeah. copyright TM. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just going to be a big party in Rachel, Nevada. That's that was my prediction, and I think that'd be the coolest thing, honestly. And then yeah. you're going to get like a group of 10 people that are stupid enough to try and sneak in there. I, I, which will be I hilarious. Will, I will wait for the day. Yes. It would be so fucking... We'll have a new cameras. <laughs> I'm going to bring firecrackers. <laughs> so fucking ridiculous. Just scare the shit out of people. Throw them at everybody on Molly. Oh my God. Oh. I mean, if it turns into an EDM fest. Well, then there's another festival. If it turns into that. that, I'm staying home <laughs> you're staying in iceland exactly god i just find it funny you know it's uh again you know we cover this media and the bullshit you know it just gets bigger and bigger and this is kind of where we're at now but if nothing else it's really cool to be six hours from what could be a shit show and we can go from there so you know i find that hilarious anyway um, what do we have for news? I should say. Well, I think <clears throat> while we're on the topic of Loch Ness, I happened to stumble across a story about, um, a boat skipper says he has found the Loch Ness monster on sonar, mm. um, ca- captures Nessie beneath the waves and remarkable sonar image. So, um, Mike Bell, he's the skipper of a captain uh, in the lock. Sure. And he takes um, tour groups around and just drives them around on lock and everything. And he has sonar on there. And apparently, 150 feet below the surface, spotted what looked to be about a 25-foot in length uh, image on on his sonar mm. radar. Mm. Um. Yeah, pretty weird. Um, I guess the dude's dad is jealous because he's never f- found Nessie. <laughs> and the well, kid has. 
Yeah, and I, I think the dad's been looking for a while, right? If I, I remember the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. It like he's my been... life's work. Yeah. <laughs> Dagger. Yeah, it's, and, it, and it's this kid's first year of being the skipper in the boat. Ungrateful five little months. motherfucker. Yeah, in five months. Um, I'd be pissed, too. Yep. I'd just be proud. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Shut up. I guess his dad's been doing it for a few years, but says he's never seen it that big before on the sonar. Yeah, um, that's what she said. God damn it, Shane. <laughs> yeah, he beat, he beat you in the punch. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess I, I don't know what it is, but. Well, it continues. And, you know, like I said, Lochness is not dead. And let's not forget about what Ogopogo, some of these other ones around the world that uh, Lake Michigan supposedly has a monster. Bear Lake supposedly has one. Uh, That's I, a, I heard about a lake that. just north. On bordering Idaho and Utah. Don't they just call it the Bear Lake Monster? I think so. have a fun name. I wish they called him Barry. That would be (laughs) awesome. That's funny. Yeah, and apparently that's the eighth official sighting this year. The eighth? Of the Loch Ness Monster. Yep. This is the year of just high strangeness in general, I feel. It seems. There's a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's getting more attention. Yeah. That's for sure, like in mainstream media and not just like tabloids and... You yeah, know, more in serious places. Definitely, Wait, there's more cool. shows than just ancient aliens now out there and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, my God! Travel channels are fucking blowing up with all kinds of oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, I saw today that totally. Discovery's coming out with a show called Contact that's about uh, people trying that. to find evidence of contact, like with everything from like field investigators to like former special forces guys and stuff. Really, it yeah. looks really yeah. interesting. Hmm. It actually does. It looks like it's well directed, produced. You know, for what they see. Yeah. I so. thought there was another show on Discovery that um, I just barely heard of that sounded really interesting um, along the same lines of all this stuff. But I can't remember, so sorry, listeners. I'm an idiot. Are and, you? I'm uh, <laughs> just bringing up something <laughs> Don't for no reason. Don't say that out loud. Interneting? <laughs> Interneting that? <laughs> well, this is funny because you know what? You talk about all the different shows that could happen out there, and there are a lot going on. I think we talked about the Skinwalker Ranch show. Yeah, that's coming on history, I think. That's coming on history. Ooh, I um, wait. Oh, I can't wait either. But at the same time, I'm like, God damn it. So, by the way, on a side note, we have a camping trip planned, correct? Yep. Please say, John, yes. Yes. Awesome. We do. Okay. So we are actually getting together with another up-and-coming podcast, and we are going to do some field reporting up in the Skinwalker Ranch in the second week of August? Yep. It'll be in that general area, so we'll go to Bottle Hollow. We went there last year, so we've we know where that is. It's super guarded, though, so you kind of just drive down that road, sit there for a second, and, and then leave. here they come. Yeah, and then you know yeah. you yeah. you basically leave because you don't you don't want any trouble. Yeah, um, like, and then we'll be going to Pelican Lake, which is um, just like 15, 20 miles away, and we could hit up this other spot. Uh, in Ashley National Forest, which is right outside of Fort Duchesne. Oh, nice. Too. Okay. So, okay. Because you can't really camp on the reservation. Mm-hmm. Um, you can in some certain areas. Uh, but yeah. What's a possibility? Because I know, you know, again, we're on a on a, either the edge of the border of any reservation or we're smack dab in the middle of it, right? It's, it's for, on. For what it's, that land is. It's on the reservation. I would love to try to get a couple interviews with maybe someone who has lived there for a long time. Yeah. Maybe. You know, I don't know. We're, we're not promising anything, but I think it would be... I think it would be difficult because I, I don't think those people... I don't like, think they talk about it. I don't think they like talking about it. I think yeah. uh, 
the people that Jeremy Corbell ended up getting interviews with, like it took him a long time to like build a rapport and build a relationship yeah, I with. I think these it people. almost took him almost two years. Yeah, to get, and along with George Knapp because yeah. he had to build a rapport with him as well. Yeah, I don't think we could go so. there and knock on somebody's door and be like, "Hey, we like weird <laughs> shit. You live in a weird place." Come on in. I got Kool-Aid ready. Yeah. we yeah. Uh, Also, our aesthetic is probably not what people who live in rural Utah are going to like want to open up to. What are you saying, Josh? Uh, that we look like people that people in rural Utah aren't going to want to talk to. Oh, I can't. It'll be fun. It'll be cool. I think that's exciting. Um, you know, and if anybody had to make a show, I think they would make a show after this guy because on his own right, He's his own episode. A traffic stop turns up whiskey, a gun, and a rattlesnake, police say, and that was before they found the uranium. Not all heroes wear capes, Shane. <laughs> he was just transporting it for Hillary. Have you seen... <laughs> shut the fuck up. Have you seen the picture of this guy, by the way? I have not. He looks like he was bitten by the rattlesnake, and he's drinking uranium at the same time. <laughs> Guy's fucking He crazy. looks like old alcoholic Han Solo. Oh, jeez. Oh, he... Oh, thank you. I was trying to put pinpoint what was going on. So when police officers pull up Stephen Jennings in Guthrie, Oklahoma, on June 26th, it's a little old news, but still very interesting. Um, they search a car, got a lot more than they bargained for. Uh, Jennings was pulled over about 11 a.m. after officer noticed his car tags were expired. Police say he alerted the officers, and they were uh, a few others likely to arise with problems. There was a gun. That was starters. Um, his passenger was arrested with um, charged possession of a firearm after former felony conviction. So there's that. And then they started digging into other stuff, and they reported to see, well, let me see, a snake, first of all, although it was actually in a terrarium in the back seat. So he was being safe. Safety first. Oh, I of mean, course. Well, yeah, if I'm a pack of snake. terrarium locked? Um, I did not say if it had a lid on it or not. You know, but after the snake, after the open bottle, uh, then they found the uranium. What's funny about this whole thing is they charged him with uh, possession of stolen vehicle, transporting an open container of liquor, operating a motor vehicle with a suspended license, and failure to carry a security verification form. Um, they are still deciding what to do with the uranium. How does one get a hold of uranium? <laughs> I don't fucking know, dude. You offer to build the Libyans a nuclear bomb <laughs> and give them a casing full of pinball parts. As he gets out 30 days later, he's like, look, they got money for everything, but I still got uranium. I have some of my ass. No. I'll get it to you as soon as I can. <laughs> he gets the DeLorean out of storage and goes back in time 30 years. I don't 88 even, miles an hour. I don't even know where to buy shrooms, let alone get my hands on some uranium. Yeah, uh, uh, listeners, if you, you know, oh, shut up, what? Oh, not uranium. I oh, okay. tell you where to get some shrooms. <laughs> get some, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> oh, I thought that was fucking hilarious. God damn it. Anyway, Josh, uh, what do you got on your uh, side? So I just saw an interesting story on Wired um, about uh, or by Laura Maloney. Um, it's about a British photographer, Robert Hackman, who shot over 250 like old, just bunkers in uh in albania so i guess the guy that took over albania as the dictator uh enver hoaxa uh he spent the cold war building bunkers everywhere from beaches to fields to farms to everywhere um it was a 2.22 billion dollar endeavor 
Um, he took control Jesus. of the country in 1944 with a fanatical brand of communism. Uh, he pulled out of the Warsaw Pact, which is basically the Russian Eastern European version of NATO. Right, right. Um, he pulled out of that in 68 because he was like too extreme for it. Um, and then throughout the 70s and 80s, because he was isolated with no allies, he just built bunkers everywhere throughout the country. Um, he went bunker crazy, is what my notes say. <laughs> um, they ranged in size from like single soldier little guys to like uh, little pillboxes to five story subterranean fortresses. Jeez. Yeah. I want to see those. Yeah. And, awesome. <laughs> God. For real. And then after communism fell in 1990, uh, the land that the, that the, bunkers were built on was returned to the citizens and they've turned them into everything from barbecues to like pool halls and stuff like <laughs> the articles more about uh the british photographer like in his adventures taking pictures of them but i i think the bunkers themselves are really interesting because yeah. i'm paranoid um I'm paranoid. <laughs> so you said it you admit you admitted it dude uh if you crazy. admit it's a problem it's not a problem right uh-huh. or the first step or something i don't know how that works Step three. Yeah. She's a five-story subterranean Isn't bunker. something else? That sounds... Yeah. How deep does that have to go? Uh, in the Midwest, they're turning decommissioned missile silos into, like, uh, rich people bunkers for the apocalypse. They were doing that, like, 30 years ago when I was in Montana. So a lot of eastern Montana is... I mean, again, you're going to put a missile on the ground in the most rural part you could possibly do it in. People are turning them into houses. And they have been for a long time. So it's just, yeah, it blows my mind. That's fucking funny, dude. Goddamn. Huh. Crazy. You can get a good nap in a subterranean bunker. Yeah, no, no light. sunlight. Be quiet, too. Yeah. I would think, right? I'd buy one. As long as you don't have a mole problem. I See think you'd be okay. I'm, I'm moving to Libya. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you do Albania. That. You send us a postcard. Let us know what it, <laughs> let us know what it says. Greetings from my five-story subterranean bunker. <laughs> right. <laughs> Man, we could become Bond villains. It would be so much fun. <laughs> but, you know, I mean. Nah, you know, it is what it is. So what's cool, I got one more here um, that I kind of want to read through. And I think that we're going to, I would like to write on this if you guys are okay with it. Because it's very interesting on it went back this far. I guess that's my thing. Okay. So 18th century Victorian era saw a surge in the otherworldly concept of spiritualism. Uh, the belief in ghosts and the spirit world beyond what we know. It was a time of psychics and mediums, of seances, spirit photography, uh, yada, yada, yada. People wanted to believe, and spiritualism became so rampant that various organizations were established. So this introduces us into the world of the oldest world organization. The oldest organization of a group of paranormal investigators. Uh, they started as a small group of scholars at Trinity College in Cambridge, England. The Ghost Club. Anybody hear that name? I've not. I I don't think I've heard of the name, but I bet I've heard of some of the people in it. That's what I'm wondering. So I think that's I didn't add that because I it's a good story. I think this would be something we can kind of cover. Um, 1862 officially is when they kind of got together and decided they were be they were going to be called the Ghost Club. Um, the cool thing about these guys, they came at it with a very scientific approach. Um, they actually debunked a lot of the phony baloney that, that were, especially at that time frame. I mean, you got not only Houdini, 
at the time because Houdini absolutely had his spiritualism. He tried his hardest to make these whole seances, everything that was going on. Houdini was absolutely against it. So were these guys. They were taking the same approach. Um, and they actually debunked a lot of the the famous ones that were just you know trying to take people's money. Um, but they were around for a very, very long time. And I don't know, you know, something that kind of fits into our topic that we're doing tonight. Uh, interesting. I, there's more to it. So maybe if you guys want to, you know, you can write us. Uh, write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. Let us know if you want to hear this story. I think it would actually be a really good one. The DMs on the socials are also open if you want to slide into them. Just slide oh. right into those DMs. What are our social? Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's either at Strange Uncles or Strange Uncles Podcast. Uh, I think it's at Strange Uncles on Twitter, and I think it's at Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram. Correct. Do we have a Facebook yet? That's a negative. That's a negative. Ghostwriter. Yeah, the pattern I was is full. Just say that. <laughs> um, Facebook coming soon, I guess. Okay. Um, and that the only reason for Facebook is I think uh, I don't know. Well, I'm not going to say it. Uh, ethical well, reasons Mark Fuckerberg is thank you sir all up in our shit anyway why and, add to it uh, we know a lot of people still like Facebook for whatever reason and I mean I'm not blameless like I love Instagram and that's a Facebook property so whatever but uh, yeah it is pick and choose wherever you go um, I did want to say though that uh, all of the shows that I listen to that have covered the topic of like spiritualists and spiritualism mm-hmm. in this era have all uh, had stories of people trying to debunk them. And that's why I say I think that even though I'd never heard of the Ghost Club, I bet I've heard of some of the members. Oh, probably. Yeah, and that's the thing. Again, I think that'll be a very interesting topic we can kind of get into. Um, you know, I that fascinates me. The whole 20s, 30s, that whole weird, like we're just start we're building machines, we're starting to come to the industrial age. Mm-hmm. But you still have immigrants that, you know, brought this over from their country, uh, these beliefs and these fables and these myths behind them, that that's what they practice with. Well, and it was you also know? a very American practice as well. It was, it turned like into. It kind yeah, of sounds, went, sounds it was everywhere. Really yeah. So. Um, I think it's super interesting because there are stories that are very obviously and easily debunked. And then there are stories that are very hard to just dismiss like obviously there were the people that were in it for the money and it was just a big grift for them. But then there's like, uh, I don't know. There are people that make it seem like it might've been real. It's really interesting. Well, um, in Leslie Keen's book, surviving death, she attends seance, some seances with, uh, some world renowned psychics and everything. And she says that she saw physical beings manifest themselves really? she saw like hands just come out of nowhere excuse me leslie what? keen is completely <laughs> credible um she's an investigative journalist that takes her jobs really seriously and um some of her accounts that she writes in her book is pretty mind-blowing and frankly unbelievable but i believe her well, right well you know that if it was anybody to... else you'd be like mm. yeah. Yeah. right you right, can, some crackpot feel from like nowhere. you can take sure. her seriously. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. I don't think she'd put her reputation on the line uh, reporting right. bogus stuff. Why? Right. There's just no reason to put that in her book. Right. No, no, I totally get that. Actually, I'm about halfway through the uh, Peter Ackroyd 
book that I ordered. And uh, same thing, spiritualism, you know, the seances, the background, what they, just amazing, you know, what they had. So, you know, something said about that. And I think that, um, yeah, something to get into, something to research. Mm, so. Yeah. Super interesting. But we are, do you guys have anything else as far as updated news or? Um, uh, I was going to kind of talk about just my rampant paranoia oh, and the right. stuff that I've that's been right. seeing lately. Let's get into it just a little bit. Yes. All right. So uh, last week, I want to say it was like Wednesday or Thursday, I was sitting on the couch watching TV. Um, it was nighttime and I just noticed some like movement out of the living room window and I saw a light pass over my house. Uh, it looked like the spotlight of a helicopter with the running lights also that you could see, um, but I, it didn't make any noise. And where I live, I think I'm in under a new flight path because for the last like year and a half, tons of helicopter flyovers all day. It's really loud. There was no noise. Um, granted, I was watching TV, but it wasn't like it was turned up to 100. Or 11. <laughs> Closer yeah, to right. 11 for sure. Right. And then I was like, whoa, that was super weird. And so I kept looking out the window and about uh, 15 seconds later, another one went over. So I like jumped up and ran outside and the way they were flying, there was like my house was blocking the view. I couldn't see any of the running lights or anything after that, but I should have been able to hear them and it was dead quiet. And, uh, and so I was thinking, I just got all excited because I was like, are those the stealth helicopters? <laughs> are they in whisper mode? And then... uh a couple days, was it yesterday or? No, it was Monday night, I think you texted us. I think it was Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's Tuesday today, so. Oh, so it was <laughs> so Sunday. Yesterday. So yesterday. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I was driving home from work and I saw these two unmarked white vans. Oh, by the way, if you saw the Instagram post, it was me. That's the game of guess who it was. <laughs> it was me. Um, but uh, I saw these two unmarked white vans hauling ass down the freeway during rush hour, making like lane changes in unison. They were obviously together. And the only markings were that the front van had a uh, danger stay back 25 feet on the, uh, painted on the back doors, but they were like uh, sprinter vans with no windows. So like sprinter cargo vans, I guess. And, and just to clarify, no logos, no markings, doors, no nothing. Mark. Like okay. they okay. looked like just, plain white like except for the stay back 25 feet on the lead van and uh, i was like getting all like ooh, i wonder if these are government plumbers <laughs> <Or> like, <laughs> i remember you texting that there <laughs> or hey, like guys, security or something you sounds know? sounds like it could very well be some type of surveillance yeah because they had the, the high roofs um it looked ideal for putting surveillance stuff in it um yeah. hmm. they hit the 201 which uh is one way to get out towards Dugway. I mean, if we want to rampantly speculate. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm fine with that. Wild just because, speculation. <laughs> like, well, uh, I saw an episode of UFO Hunters a million years ago where they decided that Dugway was Area 52. Yeah. And, oh, I uh, and they were out there talking about it, and they were just kind of close to Dugway, and a security officer in a plain white pickup truck rolled up with his flashers on and told them they had to get the fuck out of there. So, I mean, much the way you see, like, the white trucks at Area 51. Um, so, mm. Mm. I don't know. Uh, I, I've mostly thought it was fun more than anything, but I was like, damn, that's weird. And then uh, when I got off the freeway, I got stopped at a railroad crossing because the gates were down. 
and I saw a black hawk flying over downtown, over like the Rose Park area, and it was very quiet. So I rolled down my window as it flew over, and it was making like almost no noise, and it was flying pretty low, like just above like like the downtown skyscraper level, like. Should have been loud as fuck. Why does all this happen to you? That's, I, it that's didn't before. Cra- <laughs> it's been, this has been like the last God week or damn, so. They're already watching us. Fuck. Already done. Well, I do rant and rave about fuck the government and all sorts of shit. So as who knows? do we all. <laughs> but anyway, I just thought that was fun. It's yeah, fucking interesting. Those helicopters sound really weird. Yeah. I mean, we have Hill 45 minutes. Yeah. Hill Air Force Base 45 right. minutes north of us. And a lot of the helicopter traffic that goes over where I live is military. It's like Chinooks and Blackhawks and um and uh the other helicopter traffic is like uh air ambulances like life flight mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't think it's life flight like flying out for a rescue. I think they're transporting patients, but they're like that traffic flying over my house has gone up like tenfold. It used to be like once in a while, and now it's like God, that's daily. so weird. That's so weird. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder if times change. Oh, mm. one of my friends <laughs> that lives by me said that uh, he thinks the hospital that's on right where that bend on Beck Street is. Mm-hmm. Now we're probably definitely going to get kidnapped in the middle <laughs> of the night. But uh, that old hospital that you never see anyone coming in or going out of, but that there are cars there right next to that animal hospital oh, right across yeah. from, yeah, yeah, from yeah. the park. Uh, he was saying that, uh, that he thinks it's like a black ops site. <laughs> Shut up. Really? Yeah. I, like, Jesus. I don't know what, where is he getting this information? I don't know what his, his own process is on that because, uh, like I actually heard that he told that to another one of my friends who told that to me yesterday when I was like, Oh dude, check this out about the vans and the helicopters and stuff. Um, wow. But it's interesting because I don't have, like, there are always cars in the parking lot, but I never see people coming and going from there. So now I kind of want to post up in the park and just, like, stake it out. It's kind of like that daycare. It's I, like, I was going to say. It's yeah, got yeah. serious, serious, that kind of vibe and serious Stranger Things, like, Department of Energy vibes. It's I'm willing to hang out for a night and drink beer and just watch something. Shit. Yeah. Why not? I'm on board. Scope it out. Huh. Weird. Get black bagged. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. I'll tell you that. So, dude, that's, uh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's actually kind of cool. Uh, anybody else? I think I'm good. think we're good? Okay. Let's get on with it. We're going to do a quick little promo, and then we will be back in a really cool interview. Stand by. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. Whether you know it or not, your thinking on the paranormal owes a lot to an early 20th century writer named Charles Fort. Fort collected reports of scientific anomalies in an effort to undermine the mathematized and mechanistic worldview that he felt was entrenched in the science of his era. In four seminal books, Fort showed the world that there was a lot about nature that is still unexplained, 
and he carved the outlines of the overarching category for anomalous phenomena that we know today as the paranormal. For Tien, uh, the definition is as follows, relating to or denoting paranormal phenomena. So this is kind of a cool story. I didn't really know about this guy, but I found uh, I found it very interesting for the most part. Um, kind of a cool term, which I personally have just discovered not too long ago. Sometimes the words that describe the paranormal in today's society gets convoluted and sometimes just too much. We do live in weird times, and it seems as of late, topics that are part of a I guess a pseudoscience of sorts, um, whether it be UFOs, cryptids, ghosts, are gaining a little more acceptance in our culture. Born on a hot summer day on August 6, 1874, a man by the name of Charles Hoy Fort would forever change the history of what we sometimes call the anomalous phenomena. Born in Albany, New York, Charles was a child of a Dutch mother and father, and even as a young child had a fascination for the environment around him. He wanted to be a naturalist, even as a teen, and so he collected little gems of the world, like seashells, minerals, and even started to study birds, which I thought was weird, the whole bird thing, but eh. yeah, Pretty interesting cool. creatures. I mean, nah, they they're fly. not real, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. They're the closest relatives to dinosaurs. That's what I heard. I heard that too. I so, found a gif of a bird saluting Vladimir Putin today. Shut up. <laughs> I got <laughs> to the, show you the Russian dog smoking a cigarette. That's a pretty good one, too. Anyway, dressed in Russian outfit. But uh, he left New York at 18 and traveled the world, uh, but returned to Mary Anna Filing in 1896. He was, at the time, sort of a short story writer, and he struggled to keep writing between his depression and times of just being flat broke. As luck would have it, his uncle died. I guess it's not luck, but it happened. It's a little dark. eh, money. maybe his uncle was a dick. Uh, it well, sounds I can, like this. I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> I don't think any of us can put it as what it is. But because of that, he actually got an inheritance. Um, so that allowed him to actually quit what he was doing and just do writing, which is what his passion was. Um, now, this is where Fort kind of came into his own. His experience as a journalist, combined with his wit and contrarian nature, prepped him for this sort of work, uh, ridiculing the pretensions of scientific endeavors and the tendency of journalists and editors of newspapers and scientific journals to rationalize, which drove Charles fucking nuts. So all, you know, we're at the, at the cusp of science, but we didn't know science at the time. But we're on the cusp of it, so we're trying to kind of make sense of it. He didn't have anything to do with that because it didn't make any sense to him whatsoever. So starting in 1909, Charles wrote 10 books. The first being The Outcast Manufacturers. It received eh, okay reviews, but really didn't set himself up for what his interests were until he started writing his second and third book, each entitled X and Y, respectively. These books cover the idea of beings on Mars were controlling events on Earth, and the second with a postulation of a sinister civilization extent at the South Pole. So now with his foot firmly into the crackpot basket, which, sorry, it kind of was at that, it sounds like, he continued to write, and in 1919, he wrote the book, The Book of the Damned. Sounds and that's sexy. actually, it does it though. That's actually what uh, got him notoriety at a certain point. But it was chock full of data that Ford had collected and phenomena that could not be explained by normal science. For 30 years, Ford visited libraries from around the world, studying every odd eclectic topic he could get his hands on. 
Aside from his books, he had thousands of notes, roughly 48,000 in all, which blows my mind. And these notes were the basis for other books like New Lands, Wild Talents, and Low. Little did Fort know that these writings and the style that he actually wrote in would slowly drive a cult following around him. Topics Fort wrote about included everything from ghosts and unexplained sounds to UFO abduction and teleportation. Hmm, that seems a little early for UFO abduction stories. That's what I was thinking. Well, We're looking like 1920s I know that, thing. Well, yeah. No, uh, that sounds about around the time of uh, uh, War of the Worlds. Uh, Orson Welles type thing. Well, when did the uh, Battle of Los Angeles happen? Like 1940s. that was in the forties. F- that was during World w- War. Was II. it early forties? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, maybe this was a little bit be beyond the game, you know, for what he wanted to do. It seems like it was, yeah, definitely ahead of his time. Ahead but of still his thinking time out of the box. With, just with UFO abduction. I mean, I I, I yeah, haven't well. heard a ton of things pre nineteen forty. If, yeah, if I remember right, in the 40s, it was sinister, but I don't remember a lot of abduction stuff. And then if, in the 60s, it was the Space Brothers and uh, contactee type stuff. And then yeah. it kind of, in the 80s, went back to being more sinister and abductee. Yeah, but I mean, it was just happening. very prevalent 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Some in the 40s, you know. So, right, but, right. Well, but there was just what I was, I was just thinking that that's, or that's impressive that he was... Well, back in that day, that he was Talking actually collecting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, let's not forget there was a, uh, what, in Texas, they had a Texas, or. No, it was Texas. Well, it was a UFO crash landing in 1897. Yeah. It was in Texas. that Yeah, cigar-shaped craft uh, yeah. crashed yeah. into the windmill. They put the wreckage down the uh, well, and it poisoned the water. Uh, allegedly, the bodies were buried in a cemetery, but like then they got moved or something, and nobody could find it. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the name yeah. of the event. But that's I actually another. So it. that's a good UFO encounter. When you talk about Roswell, which is very, very popular, these other things. There were things before that. I mean, you know, yeah. that just. Well, yeah, I I want to go on the record of saying that I know UFO events have taken place. Well, I I don't know, but I th- I think um, right that I mean. UFO sightings have been taking place throughout history. Yeah. I think it's just... So a, not to say UFO abductions weren't happening in the 20s. It just seems like stories... But how they describe and, them. Yeah, like yeah, a cultural a frame of reference was yeah. right. was different. Like so. there was there were airship sightings, like tons of airship sightings in late 18, early 1900s, mm. um, where because the cultural reference was more to like dirigibles and balloons and stuff. Yeah. So there were a ton of like airship sightings, but they they were thinking airships. They weren't thinking outer space because they hadn't thought. Yeah, of you can space. only explain yeah. what you can perceive, right? And in their reality, thank you. That's what they're perceiving. Thank you. And now and in goes, our day and age, we can think of spaceships and everything. But you know, in ancient times, that was a thing on fire. Chair that was a chariot. Yeah, and we talked about yeah. that before. You know, I mean, it, because it, they, don't have any, they don't well, have any. Well, they don't have a word of reference. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and I think that falls into this. So you know, it, it, and again, this is early for what he was doing, but I think he really took a lot of his reading from those scriptures and those past, where you know he would he would talk about things that happened, and uh, you know, this God, there's a what a, a a painting of Virgin Mary that has something weird in the background. That looks like looks a, like a UFO shit. to me. UFO. I don't know. I mean, uh, don't that's know a whole that nother topic, but I'm not saying anyway. aliens. 
but aliens. <laughs> sure. I mean, come on. <laughs> Let's quit pussy, pussyfooting around. Yeah. I need some moose for my Exactly. Head. Anywho. So, fun fact. Uh, although we couldn't verify whether this is true or not, because I looked in a couple sources, uh, many suggest that Charles Ford invented the term teleportation. Interesting. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. So... Hmm. Although he had a following, not everyone was on board. After Fort's death, a writer by the name of Colin Wilson used words like atrocious and unreadable for Fort's works. Uh, there, there were other writers like Jerome Clark that didn't necessarily say Fort's writings were horrible, but he called them satire and playful stories and were harmless. Just to share what Fort's writings were like, here's a little clip from his novel, The Book of the Damned. A procession of the damned. By the damned, I mean the excluded. We shall have a procession of data that science has excluded. Battalions of the accursed, captained by pallid data that I have exhumed, will march. You'll read them, or they'll march. Some of them livid, and some of them fiery, and some of them rotten. Jesus. I like it. That sounds like from the Book of the Damned. <laughs> well, that's and fucking crazy. if you've ever read any literature from that era, it's all like super flowery pose. And- oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. A screenwriter by the name of Ben Heck would put a cornerstone in what the term fourteen would turn into. After reading the Book of the Damned, he stated, I am the first disciple of Charles Fort. Henceforth, I am fourteen. Other people would join the fourteen wagon, such as John Cowpower Powies, Sherwood Anderson, Clarence Darrow, and Booth Tarkenton. Precisely what is encompassed by the term fourteen is a matter of debate. The term is widely applied to people ranging from fourteen purists dedicated to Fort's methods and interest to those with open and active acceptance of the paranormal phenomena, a belief with which Fort may not have agreed. Generally, Fortians have a wide interest in unexplained phenomena, concerned mostly with the natural world, and have developed an agnostic skepticism of sorts, which I find interesting, especially that, you know, again, in that area with that time, those writings. So... In 1931, at the Savoy Plaza in New York City, the Fortean Society was founded. Even though Charles Fort was completely against the idea of even putting a group like this together, his fans, friends, and followers disagreed. Tiffany Thayer was an organizer, and followers such as Ben Hecht, who we talked about previously, was in attendance. Fort's thoughts for anyone who would join a group such as this looked at it like this. As a strict non-authorian, Fort refused to establish himself as an authority. And further objected on the grounds that those who would be attracted by such a group would be spiritualists, zealots, and those opposed to a science that rejected them. It would attract those who believed in their chosen phenomena, an attitude exactly contrary to Fortianism. Amazing, actually, because I that whole term, again, I just, you know, this guy founded it. It just blows my absolute mind. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> um, I'm starting to remember some of the reading I did uh, when we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. And uh, he actually was very against a lot of the people who thought that his research and, and writings were cool because because of that. He was like, I'm not a spiritualist. Like, I don't necessarily believe the things I'm putting forward. I just want to like throw up another option besides what the science of the time is saying. Exactly. Like, this is yeah. interesting. Yeah 
point of view, basically you can derive this conclusion from the same facts that these people are deriving this conclusion from. And uh, why is that one more valid than this one? But also I'm not some end all be all listen to every single thing I say and take it for 100% truth or anything. Which meant he had some humble. He had some humble about him. What he believed in. uh, What that second critic you said, uh, said he didn't go so far as to... uh, call him out for being a bad writer but said it was like satire it was satire oh it was to a certain point yeah yeah like i mean he straight up said he didn't believe most of it but he thought it was super interesting in a different way to and i think you know it was kind of on the fence of what he wrote and what he believed in and and that's kind of how he authored it i also got that from wikipedia so it could be (laughs) complete fabrications (laughs) who knows fucking wikipedia shut up dude (laughs) anyway Despite the 14 society fullness doors in 1959, two writers by the name of Paul and Ron Willis acquired most of the original 14 society material and revived it in 1961 and renamed it the International 14 Society, which continues to this day, actually. Um, also a magazine called 14 Times, that is no relation to the above-mentioned International 14 Society, was started in 1973, my birthday, sad enough, and continues to be published to this day. Uh, the love for Fort's writings and notes continue on. A well-known British philosopher, John Mitchell, was quoted to say, Fort, of course, made no attempt at defining a worldview, but the evidence he uncovered gave him an acceptance of reality as something far more magical and subtly organized than is considered proper today. Writers such as Stephen King and Lauren Coleman, who is well-known cryptozoologist and author of The Identified, directly uses Fort's theories and ideas in their novels. And we find out in this upcoming interview that um, uh, the singular Fortean Society do as well. The popular movie Magnolia, released in 1999, has an underlying theme of unexplained events taken from the 1920s and 30s works of Charles Fort. The film has many hidden Fortean themes, notably falling frogs in one scene. One of the scenes, his book is actually visible on a table in the library. I have not seen that movie, but nice it's to know. been years for me. Has I it? actually watched this movie two, three years ago. Yeah, uh, I watched it in high school, and then uh, yeah, randomly came across it again. It's good. It's yeah, really long. Um, I, I remember it's like four the four hours long raining frog scene was really cool. Oh, okay. Um, the I, cast is insane in it. Too. Yeah, it's everyone you could ever want in a movie, and some people you wouldn't. But. <laughs> with that being said uh, Tom Cruise's character in the movie is probably what I imagine Tom Cruise in real life to be probably the closest the closest yeah. yeah before he drank the Kool-Aid or oh, on Tropic Thunder because I picture him in Tropic Thunder Kool-Aid. he's been drinking the Kool-Aid oh. for a long time yes he's God, basically a crazy. motivational speaker in it, it watch it it's worth your time I, I, I've not he's got that. a big hog and he's a motivational speaker Ah, interesting. Well, anyway, so, so it, was, <laughs> it was actually, so a lot of Charles Ford's works uh, were in that movie, among everything else. We have an interview coming up that directly has an influence from Fort himself. Really core organization that keeps the flames fired on the Fortean theory altogether. So stand by, guys. Next, we have Tobias and Emily Whalen, founders of the Singular Fortean Society. Their society helps bridge a gap between skepticism and belief. 
Tobias and Emily welcome anybody with an open mind and a questive spirit to increase what's imaginable by investigating the impossible. Tobias and Emily Whalen, welcome Strange Uncles. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Not a problem. So um, we stumbled on you guys. Actually, I did through Twitter, and then I shared it with with uh, my co-hosts. And just very interesting on how you got started and uh, and what it's all about. And I guess from here, uh, can you tell us some history on kind of why you decided to, to go down this road? Yeah, definitely. Um, just me personally, you know, I, I grew up with some very – strange, you know, sort of paranormal experiences, you know, happening, uh, to me around me. Um, and it, it, it sort of got me curious. Um, and from there, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to turn 40 this year. So back, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have the internet or anything. So I would, I'd ride my bike down to the uh, library and I would read books, uh, by guys like, you know, Lauren Coleman, John Keel, Brad Steiger, just, you know, those, those kinds of, of authors. And, um, you know, it, 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 it really helped me. It, it, it helped me feel like I wasn't alone. And I think it helped me start to make some semblance of sense out of, uh, what, what was happening in my life with, you know, those, those sort of, uh, odd experiences. And, and from there, you know, I, I just sort of had a, a, a lifetime interest in weirdness and, um, eventually in, in my twenties, I, I decided that I would investigate actively. And so I, I volunteered as a field investigator for the, the mutual UFO network, um, and I ended up leaving them uh, for a variety of reasons to investigate on my own. Uh, and then I met Emily and, you know, she was interested in, in some of the same stuff. And, and so we uh, quickly discovered that we had complementary skill sets. Uh, she's a designer and a photographer by trade and uh, I am a writer. And, and so we, uh, we joined forces and uh, started the, the Singular Fortean Society. Yeah. And I would say like my background, um, I always had curiosity, but it, it really always inspired my artwork. So, um, coming with that into this, um, I always had a curiosity and, uh, I was, I, it kind of helped. I think there's, I've had experiences, but I was mostly in denial. (laughs) And so, you know, getting into this helped me you know, acknowledge them and open up about them. So that's kind of my background. So, uh, Emily, what drew you to monsters in specific? Um, I mean, I grew up liking a lot of like science fiction and fantasy shows, but I don't know. I've always, it's hard to understand where being into the weird and being a weird person comes from sometimes. She's nerdy. We're both really, really nerdy. That's, that's, that's the honest answer to that. Probably. I also had a, I have an aunt who is a very whimsical monster drawing artist. So that I'm sure that had some influence on me as well. Cause then we draw monsters together. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. You too. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> that's funny. Um, my question, I guess would be, well, amongst others, it, that term. So, you know, and excuse me, you know, I've been into the, the strange for quite some time and Josh has as, as well. But the whole term of uh, Fortean, we really, God, I really don't stumble on it very often. What uh, what led you to that? 
Well, you know, honestly, uh, Charles Fort was, well, Charles Fort started for me as a name referenced by a lot of the, the, the authors that I, I grew up reading. And so naturally I was curious about that. And I was, was led to uh, read his works for myself. And it, it was pretty immediately apparent to me after doing so that so much of his philosophy is sort of baked into, you know, uh, every, every aspect of, of, you know, what came after as far as, uh, paranormal research, uh, investigation, you know, just, just all of it. And I, I, I should say, uh, I, I should add, if I may digress briefly, when I say paranormal, a lot of people think of the paranormal as, as just, you know, just ghosts, just hauntings. Um, I, I use that as a term to just, it's, it's an umbrella term for me to just sort of describe all of it. So I, I include cryptozoology and, and sort of all of that, uh, you know, um, uh, outside of, of normality kind of uh, stuff in there. But um, yeah, it, 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 uh, it became apparent to me just how much of Fort's uh, approach to, to weirdness was already included in the, the uh, field. You know, he's the guy who most famously said, uh, one measures a circle beginning anywhere. And, and that, that really struck me as important, still does. Uh, because I, I really think, and especially the, the longer that uh, I, I do this, I, I really think that there, um, there are a lot of parallels between, you know, different uh, areas of, of the paranormal. And I think that really only by approaching these subjects holistically are we ever really going to gain any uh, actual understanding. I, I think that the paranormal is at its heart uh, a series of um, experiential phenomena. And, and the, the common denominator uh, is, is pretty clearly human nature, uh, to me anyway. And, and so um, I think that considering how little we know about the source of, of, of any of, of this strangeness, um, we, you know, we'd, we'd better just look at all of it, frankly, and, and see what we can learn. Um, so I read the article about you guys uh, going into, I think it was called The Kettle, um, and doing a little bit oh, of there. a nighttime uh, Bigfoot walkabout. Um, for those of us who uh, don't have a ton of field experience, how do you recommend getting your feet wet with that? Like any pointers for beginners or people with interest? Yeah, definitely. Um Honestly, my best advice, well, I, I have two pieces of advice yeah. that I, I, I usually give people. The, 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 the first one, and um, you know, I, I try hard not to sound sanctimonious or anything, but, but really, I really believe this. The first one is, if you don't consider paranormal investigation something of a calling, I, I really wouldn't recommend doing it because it's, it's a lot of work. And, and God knows it doesn't pay well. Um, and it's really stressful. And uh, I, I, I think that most people would be better served probably just not if, uh, if, if, if it's not something that, that they're, you know, really, really passionate about. But if it is something that they're really, really, really passionate about, that they, that they, they do consider, you know, something that, that, that they just can't not do, 
then, you know, probably start with an organization, you know, do a little bit of research. There are usually, uh, in most areas anyway, there are usually, you know, different ghost hunting groups. Um, you know, even like MUFON is a, a, a fine place to start. Um, you know, you, you can pretty much find a group based around any particular area of the paranormal in which you're most interested, if you have a favorite. So... I think it's also smart if you're just getting into this to check out some conferences. Maybe there's some local to you or you can travel if you, if you can swing it. But um, there's usually, you know, a bunch of different people in the industry and, and all sorts of subject matter in the field. So I think that's a good way to kind of just like jump right in and be on scene and learn all about it and get inspired. Yeah, actually, um, I, I belong to a, another organization, not only the podcast, but uh, here in Utah, I stumbled on a group of paranormal investigators. been doing it for about 20 years. They're called Ochre Mountain Paranormal, um, and it is amazing some of the things that we kind of talk about, study, and they've been doing it. They've got file cases stacked up. Uh, if you had to pick, I guess, something, you know, when you talk about the world of the paranormal, and thanks, by the way, because I, I think a lot of people get it misconstrued to where it just is considered with ghosts or spirits or something to that point. I, I think it's a broader form. When you look at all the different subjects that fall underneath that paranormal realm, if you had to pick a favorite, what road would you go down on that? Ooh, do you want to go first, Emily? Sure. Um, be cliche. I'm into ghosts. Um, you know, I think part of it is also like, you know, I feel like we're in a death fearing culture. And so I have a really strong curiosity for what might happen after death. So that's a lot of the reason why I like ghosts. But, um, I actually really like, like the fair folk and fairies. I think their, um, folklore and sightings are very interesting. So hey, one of the folk beliefs around fairies is that they are the spirits of dead people. So it's, it's ghost adjacent. Exactly. So anything <laughs> ghost, ghost adjacent, that's my thing. <laughs> right. I, wow. I, I wanted Emily to go first too, because I knew that she had a favorite and, and mine changes almost daily. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, yeah. It's kind of like it, asking you know, what yeah. your favorite song is basically. <laughs> I, I know. Right. <laughs> uh, if, if, if I can, well, okay. If this is allowed, I would pick pretty much any high strangeness case, like the weirder, the better. I mean, if, if you've got, you know, somebody getting psychic messages from Bigfoot after he came out of a crashed UFO, that's the case that I want to hear about. So wow. high strange, weirder, the better. Awesome. Yeah. Well said. Well said. We, uh, I'm sure you've heard of it, but we're really close over here to, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch and that yeah. whole thing baffles me. I'm just amazed right. by everything that happens there, you know? Yeah, that's that's still one of my favorite books, honestly. The uh, just the whole investigation surrounding that, and yeah, just just fascinating stuff. So, um, <clears throat> I was curious as to what inspired your mission statement, um, increasing what's imaginable by investigating the impossible. Um, could you just like kind of elaborate on what that means to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, like I, I, I mentioned before, um, I, I think that the paranormal, at, at least in our ability to understand it currently, is comprised of experiential phenomena. And so um, I think one of the, the biggest um, sort of, of 
misconceptions that people have about the paranormal is that one, there's no good evidence. And two, everybody that uh, claims to experience it has something wrong with them. Um, And so I think if we can uh, investigate open and honestly and present the the information we find and present the, the stories from witnesses in their own words, uh, to the the general public in a, a, a fairly you know a palatable format, then um, we can help people understand that the fact is um, this stuff that they think is impossible happens to people like them all the time. You know, like most of the witnesses with whom I speak could be, you know, like they they could be in the next cubicle from you. You know, you might pass them at the grocery store. They could be your bank teller. Um, you know, the, the, these are people that, that work in government that hold, you know, professional positions, frankly, educated people often. Um, and, and, and that's not to say that, you know, somebody has to have a certain level of education to be credible, but I'm just saying, I, I think that there, um, there are a lot of people that, that, that sort of, uh, go against that, that misconception. And so, if we can present these cases to people to make them understand uh, that there, there is some pretty compelling evidence and, and the people reporting these things are credible people, then suddenly I think that opens whole new vistas of imagination, frankly, where suddenly all of these things that, that people had construed as, as being sort of patently impossible, um, you know, very, very well may be. So what's on the horizon for you guys? I mean, obviously, you know, you've worked this hard and this long for now. Um, anything that's uh, down the road in the future, something that you're just kind of aching to be part of that you haven't had a chance to yet? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a tough one. I mean, we, we, we've always got, you know, several irons in, in the uh, fire, so to speak. Um, I'm about halfway through writing a book on – our investigation into the uh, Lake Michigan Mothman phenomenon, which is, it turns out writing a book is super hard. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's fulfilling, but, but difficult. So I'll be really happy to have that done and sort of uh, completed in a way that I find satisfactory. You know, like I, I, I have pretty high standards for that. Um, like, what are you, what are you looking forward to? I'd like to do more investigations, getting out there, boots on the ground, going to places and checking it out to see what answers we can find. Um, We were just at the haunted school in Farrar, which is an unincorporated town in Iowa, and we spent the weekend there, and it was a conference too, but um, we did a lot of investigations over the weekend. That was the highlight. Yeah, really. I mean, I think that's that's cool. Yeah, it was really neat. We experienced some very interesting things. I think we learned a lot too because mm-hmm. we investigated with other groups that are more they're more into the ghost equipment and like the um just ghosts in general. So it was it was interesting to, you know, do that with them and collaborate and how we can do our future investigations as well. That's fantastic. You know what? And I want to take it back for the world. You know, I'm, I'm glad that there's other people out there that have the same drive and the same interest that we do. Uh, you know, it seems sometimes you're, you're kind of a small fish in a big pond, you know, and, and uh, it's nice. 
you know, it's nice. Do you, first of all, thank you for your time. Do you guys have anything you want to promote or put out there on your side? Uh, sure. We have some uh, upcoming appearances. Uh, we've got three in September, actually. September, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a busy month. Uh, September 14th, we will be at the uh, Milwaukee Paranormal Conference. And then the uh, 28th, we will be at, I'm sorry, the 27th will be, 27th is yeah, we'll, we'll be at the Maple Tainer yeah. Theater in Menominee for the Paranomicon Paranormal uh, Conference. And then the very next day, uh, September 28th, we will be in Rockford for the Illinois Paranormal Conference. Um, anybody who, uh, you know, is interested in what we're doing uh, can find the Singular Fortean Society online at singularfortean.com. Otherwise, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram. And anybody who's actually interested enough in what we do to want to be a part of it uh, can sign up to be a member of the Singular Fortean Society through our Patreon page. And the URL is patreon.com slash singular Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Um, and thanks for your just your research and your your love for it. Um, it's nice to meet other people along the same lines. So Yeah, I, I completely agree. Thank you. Thanks. So it was an awesome interview, number one, with uh, Tobias and Emily. Yeah, it was really nice I mean, to talk to those guys. Uh, very insightful also. Yeah, I think so. So follow them. Make sure that you uh, pay attention. Singular for Teen Society. Um, they love what they're doing. And then as far as our story on Charles Fort, damn, I, I really didn't know, you know? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, like I've heard his name mentioned and, and a little bit about him. Um, and then I like read the Wikipedia page when we talked about doing this a couple of weeks ago. Um, but uh, I did. I do remember from a couple of years ago finding a blog called uh, Who Forded, That's so which <laughs> was so fucking great and awesome because that is definitely my kind of people, like uh, people talking about weird shit, making fart jokes. Um, I think, I think it's still active. I haven't checked in on it in a while, but, uh, it, well, let's not promote that. Shall we <laughs> throw that out there? Yeah. Well, but yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, Hey, Shane hit the flag this to cut it the fuck out button <laughs> and, uh, we'll make sure that they haven't gone crazy <laughs> and right, said exactly. anything we're going to be sad about identifying with later. But, uh, um, I, it's great to talk to other people who are really interested in just like everything high strangeness and like not necessarily just one aspect of any kind of any type of these phenomenons, but like who, uh, to quote office space, celebrate the entire catalog. Um, ah, fair. Yeah. I can see that. Cause I, I, I'm into, a, I'm into a little bit of all of it, you know, like, uh, I know John, you're like, very into the ufos but you like other aspects of the, of the I, phenomenon also i like it all yeah but if i had to choose one it'd yeah. be UFOs. sure yeah. yeah and that was one of the but questions no, I, we I, asked i them. love it all you know we said hey, what could you if you have to because a paranormal is a is a big shroud you it's know and, and and what do you you know what do you want to focus on what don't you want to um i thought they're very interesting and i think yeah. with like going back to charles too I think he tried to capture, for the most part, the whole range of what that looks like. Yeah, and I liked that he uh, apparently was looking at everything. Like, I know he was a big influence on John Keel, 
And uh, I love Keel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, one question that I did want to ask uh, the Singular 14 Society guys that I didn't uh, think about at the time, but I wish I would have, was just like uh, what researcher was was like the most influential on them. Besides Charles Fort. Right, because it's in the name of the society, but like, who knows? You know, like it might, might be like, this is the name of the society, but maybe like John Keel was the person that made the most impact on me or something. I wish I would have asked that. Well, well Tobias actually had some books that he rambled off, you know, when he was a kid and what he read, some of the authors that he liked, uh, which I, I, yeah, yeah, I thought that was, was like neat, all the greats, you know? like Brad Steiger and, right, uh, right. Like, and now my mind is going yeah. blank. No, no, chain. I think, sorry. <laughs> I just I was going to interview. Um, I think the history with Charles Fort is great. Um, I, I don't know. I think it all was good. It was a good episode. Do you guys have anything else on your side or? Uh, I feel like Charles Fort was an original punk rocker who did not give a fuck. And I think that's pretty cool. Before punk rock was even around. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think probably back back in the day it was a lot hard not harder, but you faced a lot more ridicule talking about these subjects as far as versus twenty eighteen where you talk about it and it's like, Oh yeah, like I mean everybody like, like everybody aliens. believes in aliens, you know, yeah. everybody believes in ghosts. It's like, more but, of an uphill. But I feel like battle. you know, I feel like early nineteenth, twentieth century At, or you know, like twentieth century, like I'm with you. It's it was yeah. a little more you know, do yeah. I want to put myself on? Yeah, do I really want to like put yeah. a mark I on my back? I feel like that, but at the same time, like spirit, the spiritualist movement was like yeah, all the spiritualist of the movement was talk huge, of yeah. high society, and like that's where all the seances were. Were in like rich people's houses. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I was never mm -hmm. around, but somebody said about it. Yeah. Either my whole fascination, I love that era. First of all, I, I the twenties, the thirties. I love that era. I, I just it it fascinates me how quick we went down the rabbit hole into seances and ectoplasm. I mean that you know everybody jokes because oh Ghostbusters by ectoplasm. No, that was a term that was back in the early 1920s. Yeah, that yeah. was already termed way before. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know somebody said about it, but it was a great interview, great uh, great episode, I think, and. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. I, I think, think you so. Guys have I too. Did too. I've had my pants off this whole time, but you know, well, I'm glad for you guys not to notice. Luckily, we have a glass table, so <laughs> <laughs> that's even another story altogether. <laughs> anyway, so um, I guess if we're wrapping up, we should throw out some social meds stuff, please. Um, so you can find us at uh, Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and uh, also at Strange Uncles on Twitter. Um, we will have a Facebook page coming out soon. Um, might make some groups for group discussion or something. I don't know. We'll look into it. Um, and you can email us at my... What's the email address, Shane? Uh, email is strangeuncles at gmail.com. And then the website is at... Not website, is website. website is mystrangeuncles.com. Website is mystrangeuncles.com. And we got to get up on doing our articles on there too, because, you know, I've been posting for a while, but, uh, you know, I haven't been on there active. So, but there's a few. We do, there's a nice Skinwalker write up. And again, we're going to go to Skinwalker, which I think is a nice follow up. So we'll go from there. Cool. 
Yeah. Awesome. Shit, yeah. Well, stay well, strange, everyone. Stay strange. I guess we're uh, closing. Just do, do, do. Closing the gates. Do, do, do. Close the gates. Oh, God. Slam him. <laughs>